Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Ocean Curious podcast and webcast. Uh, we are recording this in front of a live internet au uh, audience. Uh, thank you very much to those people that are attending our go to our Zoom US meeting. We're happy to have you here and interacting with us. Uh, today, we've got our very own Dutch Ocean guy. Say hello, Dutch. Hi, everyone. And we've got Sector 035, who's having a tiny bit of problem with his microphone. But uh, Sector, why don't you say hi to the nice people out there? And that's the microphone problem. And there we go. Well, he's muted, I think. So uh, yeah. I'll just say hello and on, on his behalf. Wait, here he comes. Sector? Well, I can say hi, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure whether people can hear that. Okay. Well, but they do know who you are and that whenever they hear a buzzing on the line, that's Sector talking. We're going to do our best to repeat what Sector says so that everybody can gain insight from his, uh, his uh, wisdom along the way. So this week, this is a, a makeup week for uh, what we didn't do last week, and there's a bunch of things that we want to go through. For those of you that are joining us here, our attendees, you know about the chat or the Q&A questions that you can ask us, and we'll incorporate that into our, our talk here at the appropriate times. Also, if you are uh, listening to us via podcast or via webcast, and you're watching this recorded, then you can always use the hashtag OSINTCurious and to send us questions or comments, and we will go ahead and incorporate that into the next week's or the next uh, webcast to answer your questions on here. Let's get started. And let's start out with news from the week. Now for this, I'm going to go ahead and um, oh, I'm going to go ahead and share out. Let's I want to interrupt you yeah, because man. the biggest news for me is this is already the tenth episode of the Ocean Curious webcast. The tenth episode. We've done ten of these. Yeah. It seems like we've only done nine before. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it feels the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, for me, it's incredible because there's, um, you know, you see like people uh, and they're like, this is the 190th episode of this or Security Weekly and they're in their 500s or whatever. That's incredible to me that they've just yeah. been doing it that long. Um, but yeah, 10th episode. Cool. Righteous. All right. Well, let's get something. Let's Since you're already talking there, Dutch, let's go ahead and get you talking a little bit about why you wrote this uh, this blog post here on basic OPSEC tips and tricks for OSINT researcher. It's, it's featured on our uh, OSINT Curious website. Tell us a little bit about it and why you wrote it. Uh, well, I wrote it um, because I, well, I think not every day, but almost every day I get asked uh, by people, how do you uh, configure your machine for operational security when you conduct OSINT research? So, um, yeah, it had it was bound to come this blog because everyone asks around it. and I and they all want to know it as basic as possible. So I try and kept it as basic as possible, especially for those starting in the open source intelligence field. Of course, you can go more in depth on a technical skill level on uh, well, abuse of skating or blurring out your machine fingerprint on a more command line level, but. For this, I think I want to get you in the mind state of determining your threat model first 
because that's for most important. As I stated in the blog, it doesn't make any sense to really harden your system when all you do is conduct um, uh, research on, uh, let's say, Twitter, because the threat is more or less not a problem. And when you do more hardcore open source intelligence, let's say, for instance, into uh, an APT or something, you might want to harden your system in another way, but that's all based on your threat model. So I hand out some basic tips uh, on who's your adversary, uh, who, what's your threat, uh, trying to determine that, try to harden um, your browser a bit based on a few add-ons or extensions which work in uh, as well as a Chrome browser or Firefox. Um, and it's, again, the state of mind which I think you should always have when you conduct OSINT. Uh, think about an alibi, think about ways to blend in, think about how you act as natural as possible on that, on that certain topic you're researching. So yeah. it's a bit of everything in there, I think. Well, and, and that's why that that's why I like this article is because it, it does cut, touch a lot of the different areas of open source intelligence. It's keeping you, the researcher, safe. It's understanding what things you might leak through your interactions, your system might leak, your IP or domain name, IP address or domain name that you're coming from might leak. It, it's getting that overall understanding. And for those of you that don't know what OPSEC is, it's operational security. It's, it's how to make sure that you are not giving away information that an adversary or even just a target could use against you, your organization, or could just know that somebody's using to uh, understand that there somebody is somebody looking at their their uh, um, systems, their profiles, etc. So, um, yeah. So in this in this blog post, uh, you have everything from you know what are some of the the cool extensions that you use to to stay safe, but also some things to think about like googling yourself um, and uh, understanding what your personal uh, risk perspective is. So uh, real cool stuff, man. Um, and uh, I think it, what I'd like to do is probably take that information and put it into like that mind map that I have. You know, it's yeah. part of a uh, think about these things before you start to collect the data. Um, it's yeah. and you know one of the things that we've talked about, um, kind of offline, is there's a. I'm going to go ahead and, and go rogue here. Um, there is um, oh, it's the pen test execution standard. Um, the pen test execution standard at www.pentest-standard.org is kind of a community-based effort to write down a methodology and a standard for penetration tests or security tests. And they have this P-Test technical guideline. And in there, it really goes through the process. Like if you've never, ever done a penetration test before, it talks to you about everything from open source intelligence and OSINT gathering and reconnaissance to determining your internet footprint. And later on, as you go through it, it talks about more stuff um, and gives you links to a bunch of different documents and tools and other things. And I've always thought, you know, it would be really neat to kind of as a community come together and, and create like an OSINT standard where we could say, hey, you know, here's a framework if you've never, ever done this before. Um, that's a, one of my ideas for the future. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, sounds sounds like sounds promising. It sounds like uh, a bit like uh, yoga, maybe yeah. and a bit of all. You already started it, I think, a little bit. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this would be more like a wiki that anybody could contribute to and it'd be checked and stuff, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. But keep in mind that already uh, PHO55A, the, the, the admin of Ocean team, he already has got a really comprehensive uh, Ocean kind of wiki up on his, on his Git. So I'll put that in the show notes. Because yeah. I don't have it on top of it, but it's a really extensive uh, write-up. Is that with his OSINT uh, link, the, the OSINT links? Uh, the, the... Yeah. yeah, yeah, but there's there's a lots of tips and, and, and manuals in there to help you. So Cool. All right. Didn't know about that. Well, uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, uh, one of the tools that was in the news recently. This is Lil Brother, and a uh, big shout-out to Jake Kreps, who, uh, who's at, at Jake Kreps, C-R-E-P-S, who tweeted out about this little about this tool. I found it actually a little promising. Whenever I see a tool that somebody's tweeting out, I always try to try it out to see how easy it is to install, what the bang for the buck is. You know, if it does the exact same thing as some of my other tools that are like my favorite tools, I'd be like, meh, I'm not sure I need to change. But this one was kind of neat in that um, it was a pretty simple install. And it got information that other tools that I have used didn't get, or it took them longer to get. It essentially, you put information into the tool and then you run it. And when you run it, it will give you a whole bunch of information back through and by doing things like Google searches um, and other non-API calls. So uh, that was pretty cool that you didn't have to, you know, chalk it full of API keys like you do with uh, many of our other tools. So uh, I haven't explored this totally, but I did uh, play with it a little bit. Found it to be a pretty interesting tool. You get a chance yeah. to play with it? Well, I tried to install it, but I got some module I issues. So then I stopped because life got in the way. <laughs> yeah, I kind of have that too. I'm like, I will give this five minutes. If I can't do it simply, then I'm going to move on and go on to something else. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, in other news, uh, have you seen the uh, tour, the, the Fresh Onions tour scraper site? Back on, back off. It's so frustrating. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, the Fresh Onions uh, tour hidden service. Uh, is essentially a crawler that looks at a bunch of different uh, onion services on the Tor dark web network. And what it does is it collects information about the security of those systems and any other information that it, it that those systems might leak that allow you to tie that system to other darknet services. For instance, if one marketplace says, hey, you can send us money at this Bitcoin address, and then another marketplace or another Onion service has that same Bitcoin address posted, you can yeah. search and pivot on that. It's like, it's super helpful, but it's been up and down and up and down. In fact, this Onion address here is the version two address that it was at, and now it's at a version three address, but that keeps going down. It's a little frustrating. I've bought some French open source researchers from the openfacto.fr group. Um, we're talking about maybe launching it, uh, well, uh, um, a renewed version of this themselves. So they were, I think they are doing some pull requests and forking and maybe doing some, a, li a little bit tweaking onto it and putting it up. At least that was a discussion, a promising discussion I saw up on Twitter. So I'll, let me see uh, some naming here. So, so keep them on edge. Uh, okay. 
HP HP Cock uh, and Copters Overt and all those people they were talking about it, Lorenzo Romani. So people, make it happen. <laughs> we're trusting you. Yes. Our future relies on it. Well, and to be honest, I mean, I think you and I have talked about maybe standing up our own versions. Um, yeah. But from what I've been looking into, it's non-trivial to set this up. It's not a matter of setting it up and boom, I'm doing it. There's a front end, there's a back end, there's storage yeah. that you have to think about and some other stuff as well. So There's um, a bit of work in it, yeah. There is, but I look forward to somebody else doing that. <laughs> cool. So... Uh, Recently, there was a uh, synagogue shooting out in um, San Francisco. Is that right? Um, yes. Yesterday, it was yeah. in California. Yeah. And uh, Bellingcat put this post out. You want to tell us a little bit about it, Nico? Well, it got my interest. Um, not that I was looking into the shooting itself, but more um, the writer, Robert Evans, po pointing out that we should pay attention more to um, HN. Uh, the 4chan spin-off and especially the poll, the politically interact board, because that's where, well, now several, um, well, we can, I think we can say terrorists or sure. at least lunatics were up there, uh, which it was not only shit posting as they call it, it was actually um, going to action. So they were not just saying what they were going to do. They're now they're actually doing it and it's becoming, and they inspire each other. So it's becoming a more and more worrying platform for people who go over to live actions. So, and the way this write-up was written, it was really interesting. It got you thinking, shouldn't we pay more attention as researchers to sources like these where people uh, are more or less uh, pointed as well there's a bunch of lunatics on a forum and they're doing stuff but there's serious stuff going on there but you need to learn how to read uh, between the lines for instance so I thought it was an interesting topic and even though HN has this really funny and good things because I like to be on there also but these are some worrying um things they're involving yeah so since you are a user of hn can we just dive a little bit deeper into use is it uh does it require a username and password to get into uh can you uh join these areas or are they closed things tell our our audience a little bit about hn so they can help decide whether they they would want to go in there or is it safe to go in there well, it's it's all basically anonymous uh, when you when you're on there. You don't have to leave your real name or your new, real email address, or it's you can do it as anonymous as you want. So that's why it's become some kind of free marketplace of people trying to sell their thoughts and sell their ideas online, or just acting funny but there are also really good discussions going on it's 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 not a one-way street it's a two-way street but the one-way street of people doing crazy stuff is becoming a little bit more yeah just a little bit more now or at least it gets more attention and momentum and it, it it's just well, there's a little flag just, well, this is the third time or the fourth time uh, an active shooter um, was active on HN. And that's where they inspire each other. So 
just as uh, people started flocking to Gab when uh, a lot of the, and the other attacks happened and some other things were occurring. Yeah, it's not the one and only form where this happens, but it is really, well, it's, I think it's a little bit right-orientated. Okay. But it, it's, it's also just, well, it's been there for ages. It's, for, for me, it's just a part of the internet where as an ocean reacher, you want to look and read because this is where I get informed on how people think on certain topics because they feel free to really express their uh, state of mind. Right, and, and anonymity there. Yeah. So it gives, gives me insight on people, how people think about certain topics. And, well, that's interesting. Cool. Well, um, thanks for sharing that. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, this is by Dustin Miller, who came across my Twitter feed, and I think, I, and I wanted to appreciate uh, Ludo Block, who's an amazing O-Center out there in the EU. He tweeted out something from Dustin Miller, and Dustin has done some amazing Twitter posts. I mean, it, it's essentially a blog post on data analysis and data science. Uh, he goes through an amazing, he's got 23 different Twitter posts, which is 23 times about 280 words. That's a lot of words. Um, but he goes through actually discussing how data science works and other things about object character rec recognition. And what he did was he used machine learning and artificial intelligence to estimate or to guess what was uh, what was the string what were the strings of characters and the words that were redacted in the Mueller report so the report about the conspiracy on the um, uh, the things that were happening with Donald Trump in the United States you know a lot of that though words that were in there were redacted for national security reasons or ongoing investigations. Well, the redactions were of certain lengths and uh, because of where they were in sentences, some of those words uh, he found that you could actually, with some degree of reliability, put in people's names that were discussed frequently or other words and uh, essentially bring up an alter the almost original text uh, very, very easily. Uh, he goes into a lot of depth about machine learning and about how uh, training them. It's an amazing thing. We'll put the, the tweet in the show notes. I've started following Dustin. He's got some really, really interesting things out there. Did you check catch this uh, sector or Dutch? Yeah, I've read the thread. Really interesting stuff in there. Uh, I uh, I haven't seen uh, seen it at all actually. I was way too busy last week. So you haven't seen it, sector, but and you were way too busy last week. You had some interesting things going on last week, um, which I think uh, just to uh, you know throw some foreshadowing out there uh, or to to tease. Um, you're going to be writing up a really cool blog post about some stuff. Is that right? Well, it's actually finished already. Waiting for proofreading. All right, finished. So um, in the coming week, you're going to have a, a really interesting blog post that was uh, kind of inspired by a person on Twitter and their OSINT problem. Is that sufficient enough to say? You want to say anything more? That, that's more than sufficient to say. Okay, cool. So watch for that in the coming week. 
let's keep going through the news here. Oh, one of the big things, Recon Village. Now, uh, for those of you that have never been to DEF CON in the United States or DEF CON over in Asia, um, the Recon Village is the open source intelligence village that they have where they do talks and other things about open source intelligence. They have just released their call for papers where you can submit it for the Las Vegas, Nevada, in the United States conference. So if you want to be a speaker there, go ahead and submit your workshops or presentations. Uh, I spoke there last year and uh, it was a it was a great experience. There's some really talented people that were speaking and some just excellent people that run the Recon Village. Yeah, I always want to go there someday. Yeah? You yeah. think they're ever going to have like it over in like the EU? Um, I hope so. Maybe. I don't know. One can hope, right? Yeah. So one of the neat things that uh, we had Justin Seitz on here uh, a while ago, the creator of Hunchly and just an amazing O-Center and programmer and just all around great Canadian guy. He was on here. And one of the things I talked to him about was how much I enjoyed his failures. He was doing a, a webcast on on something, and I think somebody typed into the chat, hey, you know, could you try this? And he's like, well, I have no idea what's going to happen, but let's try this. And he failed. And I love how he does that. It, it shows that, you know, you could – a lot of what we do as OSINT researchers is – try stuff and fail and then we try more stuff and fail and then we try stuff and maybe we get a piece of something that we can go ahead and pull um and michael bazell here on his intel techniques uh page he also talks about failure which is which is something that helps us move the entire open source intelligence kind of um uh, area of knowledge forward he has a, a podcast a, a, a privacy security and OSINT show and that is it, they they have like over 100 episodes it's really really interesting to listen to and here he talks about how he tried to um, buy anonymous iPhones but it didn't work so just a little shout out to Bazell and his cool podcast as well and yeah. uh, that you know what we do is we fail we learn and then we adapt yeah that's my Friday commute uh, block when I sit in a train I, every every week. I really? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Nico, you want to talk about emailrep.io? Well, this kind of got viral, I think, in the infosec community and uh, uh, business uh, fraud community. It was all over. Well, it's uh, an email reputation checker in. And what it does, it will um, look for if the email exists and it will also point you, especially I think the API is a little bit more uh, readable for me uh, because then you get back the sources where that specific email address is connected to, for instance, a uh, Twitter account or an uh, Instagram account, Spotify. And it also gives you for threat intel analysts uh, some kind of indication what the reputation of the email address is in relation to, for instance, malicious sites or malicious software. So, but I gotta say, it isn't always that consistent yet, I think, because I've tested it and I've tested it with some email addresses and I've 
tested it again with the same email addresses and it didn't give me back the same results. So that was what I found too. And I did, uh, I did a test with some known accounts, some unknown accounts, and some of the information in there was, was accurate, but then I ran it again and it was inaccurate. And so the reliability of the tool was off a little bit. Um, and like Nico was saying here on screen, I've got the API up or the API documentation. It shows to use curl, which is just a simple command line tool in Mac and Linux. And you just, curl and then the URL at that and then it shows you uh, the different profiles where this is found. There are some other tools out there like my What's My Name project, Spiderfoot, ReconNG, Sherlock that give, give you a little bit more detail about what profiles this was seen in. I think the power of this tool was not just that. Didn't it? Doesn't it show you the analysis of uh, if this is a catch-all or if this is a valid email as yeah, well? Yeah, also, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, for me, it's another email lookup tool mm -hmm. just for, well, well, when we look for a piece of the puzzle. So yeah. this could give that extra pivot point. Gotcha. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Emailrep.io. Yeah. Now, uh, one of our friends, uh, Benjamin Strick, uh, and actually, Sector, you worked on this uh, BBC Africa story as well on the, uh, the anatomy of a killing story where uh, the video was, was, was analyzed from killings in, um, in Car Khartoum, is that right? No, I'm sorry. Cameroon. Cameroon, I'm sorry, yeah. Um, and you, did a, you all did an amazing job, and such an amazing job. Uh, BBC Af Africa won a Peabody Award for this. So congrats, yeah. Sector. And oh, Ben, fourth, the, the the fourth award already. Uh, I'm saying that again. It's the fourth award. That's the fourth award for this article. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. That's amazing. Yeah, you guys did a great job on that. And thank yeah. you to Daniel Adam Adamson who um, who tweeted out that information. But if you haven't read this uh, this uh, article or the blog post from BBC Africa, uh, Sector Ben and uh, some other people did an amazing job of analyzing a video and proving not only where something happened, but when it happened and who did it. Uh, it has all of those wonderful areas of OSINT kind of stuffed right in there and uh yeah you guys did a tremendous job on that so props to you buddy thanks yeah all right last one here um docker breach uh nico i think you put this into our little notes here um docker breach uh what do you want to talk about about this well, it was more of um, more of an awareness thing because um, I know a lot of my OSINT friends use Docker on a daily basis to deploy their, let's say, OSINT VMs or something like that. And um, well, when you see it, Ken Y tweeted out that the OAuth token um, for your personal project uh, linked to the GitHub or uh, the Docker those are connected. So people should be aware of this breach because a lot of programmers use these these two instances and now they both can be accessed by malicious actors if you are not paying attention. So it was just me looking out for people who didn't 
see the news yet because I found it gained way less momentum than other breaches because this doesn't concern the vast majority of people on the internet, but only more like a little bit more technical programming kind of people. But still, if I think it was a breach, people should look at and at least um, change their passwords. Yeah, so uh, am I right in that if uh, you tied your Docker account to your GitHub account to do the promotion, uh, to do uh, versioning and things like that, uh, yeah. then because this OAuth or this authentication is automatically granted to Docker, then these attackers could go ahead and get into your GitHub and mess things in there. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's, that's, that's basically issue. it, yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Um, let's go ahead and take a, a question or so. Uh, we have somebody online here, uh, one of our attendees, who asked for what are our thoughts on the best methods of doing OSINT, like tools, techniques, Google dorking, Python, uh, using Python tools and things like that. Um, what's the best method of doing OSINT? Now, I think we've kind of covered this before, Sector and, and Nico, but do you have any ideas for, I'm going to call out his name here, Eric, who's, uh, who's asking this question? Well, for me, it's, it's, I keep saying it, I've said it before, it's your mind is the best method for OSINT. You, you got to think about what, what kind of question you are trying to answer. If you cannot define your research question and maybe dissect that research question in, two or four smaller sub research questions, which must be answerable. So don't keep them too general. General questions, those give too much noise when you look up, look them up on the internet. So for instance, if I want to look into uh, Mika here uh, and you want to tell if he went to the movies today, well, that's an answer question. Has Mika been to the movies today? Well, that could be answered with a yes or a no when you dig into it. Um, when you ask me, um, has Mika been to the movies? It's too broad. It can, what day, what movie, which movies it's, you must define an as answerable question as possible. And from that point, you can look to, well, if this question is about movies, then I'll need to go look for, uh, maybe social media resources where he can tag itself, himself in a certain geolocation or look up based on uh, movie names which are out now or recently released. So I think that's, for me, it's the best way to conduct ocean research by defining a good question and the question will lead you to the right tools most of the time, I think. Okay. So uh, I, I think that's one of the things that I, I like to do is instead of understanding, instead of understanding everything about open source intelligence or pen testing or whatever, I like to understand kind of the vocabulary. What are the words I can use? What are the tools I can use? And then, you know, just like at, when you're at your house, uh, you, you don't use a hammer for everything. If you have a screw that you need to put in, you, you put it, use a screwdriver for that. But if you don't have that screwdriver in your toolbox, 
then it's a lot harder for you to accomplish that job. So similarly for OSINT, you've got to understand how you can harvest email addresses from this plat social media platform, or how do I look up who is or, or domain uh, information about a certain thing. And those are just skills that you have. The OSINT part is collecting it all, using all the tools to achieve yeah. some goal. So if you're looking to go ahead and, and learn OSINT, yeah, you know, look at a couple of the tools. But I like what, what you're saying, Nico, is you got to understand kind of the methodology, what your goal is, and um, how to apply and use all those tools together. Second, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And of course, uh, books or uh, course material helps in that process becoming more, I think, more um, comfortable with conducting the, uh, the, the, the actual research. So you can read books by Bazell or Kubeka or uh, um, go to science courses. It, it basically doesn't matter. Uh, you got to have some eagerness to learn. And those are just, uh, those courses or books are basically pieces of the puzzle that fill your toolbox. But yeah. the way you look at the world is other. Sector, were you thinking about anything? Um, yeah, I did have um, one thing. Because uh, what Nico also said, um, oh, just, just look at the, uh, learn the vocabulary. Um, not just the vocabulary, but also use the same languages. If you're doing recon in a different country, use the local languages to try and find stuff. And another thing is, um, don't use one site. Uh, don't use one tool. Don't use one uh, search method for anything you try to look for, because there are multiple tools, and every tool has its own strength. So if one tool or website doesn't give you a hit, try the next one, try the next one, and the next one. Yeah. Yeah, that's some really good. Uh, for those of you that didn't uh, hear him, uh, what Sector's saying is that, you know, sometimes you might have a screwdriver, and I think in most parts of the world, there's multiple heads. You know, there's the Phillips head, which has the little plus symbol for, for screws, and then there's the, the flat head, which is just a line. So, um, you know, if you, all you have is a Phillips head screwdriver and you have a flat head screw, you're not going to be able to, to accomplish that job. So same thing with OSINT. You know, we have a huge number of tools that, that do different things and some that do many things. Test those out. See what their strengths and weaknesses are and understand what the tools can do and what their limitations are. And then when you have a problem you need to solve, you can pick the best one of those tools and techniques for your, um, for your uh, situation. Yeah, exhaust, exhaust your uh, resources, basically. And I think it's also important to uh, validate uh, the hits or the resources you, of the hits you've found. Because when I'm, again, for instance, looking up you and I found you on website A, I would also try and like to find that same information on another website or another resource just to validate that what I found initially, uh, well, is is on other places also just for confirmation. Yeah. And, and that's really the other part of it is, is OSINT is not just about finding an answer. It's about finding the right answer and making sure that that answer is, is, is correct. You know, if you can't corroborate it, if you can't uh, establish trust in the results you've come back, 
uh, we've seen time and time again over the last bunch of years that all this fake news or outright lies on social media and other places, you have to be able to trust, at least with some degree of confidence, the information that you're pulling back. So, um, yeah, that corroboration is very, very important. Yeah. Cool. Uh, there was, I think it was, uh, maybe there's a little time for another question because sure. I, w I was really interested in, someone tweeted out to uh, Ocean Curious and Sector, I think, you promised to talk about ShadowFoo. And I was like, what is ShadowFoo? <laughs> Please tell me. So is, do you know what this is about or Sector? I, uh, yeah, I, I know what it's about. Um, I have promised to talk about uh, calculating times and dates and all that kind of stuff. Um, ah, oh, like actual shadows. Yes. Ah, okay. That, now it makes now it makes yes. sense. And um, I've been promising to to do some work on that and to give something like a little presentation and such. Um, I'm I'm going to uh, do my best to create a ten minute tip this week, just some basics in regard to shadows, um, calculation, all that. And um, yeah, and for all the details and all the deep dives, I'm. Still working on a, a huge document all about chronolocation. So okay. that will be eventually uh, be placed on GitHub. Okay, thank you. Well, uh, just for those who didn't hear it right, uh, Sector told us that he will be doing, uh, as promised, uh, a talk about ShadowFoo, or he will make it a 10-minute tip. And ShadowFoo is basically how a Sector will will show us how he calculates shadows in pictures or footage to say where the sun is or the direction of the sun is or certain locations we're at. So some dev, um, be on the lookout for the 10 minute tip by sectors as well as everyone. And he will also be doing in the near future, some more in-depth blogging or, uh, ex ex explanation on, uh, a foolproof guide. <laughs> no, a fool guide. Absolutely. A fool's guide. I'm, I'm a fool's guide. Well over 25, 30 pages, and I'm about halfway. So oh, a full amazing. guide. Yes. Fool. Ah, okay. okay, that's different than a fool's guide. That would yeah. that would be interesting, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah, I could write a fool's guide. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, let's see. So uh, one of the people that is on our chat asked a question. Uh, Nico, we're going to start with you. Who are your OSINT heroes, people that inspire you to be the best at doing your OSINT investigations? And you don't have to say a sector. You know, he's on here. He yeah. already knows that you idolize him and you have that altar at home to him. So, uh, Aside from sector. Well, um, I have a lot. Um, I think basically all people who share knowledge are heroes to me. But... Um, who got me started in this field were uh, Arno Reuser. He's in the Netherlands. I learned a lot from him. Um, very knowledgeable OSINT, well, in my opinion, guru. Um, Bazel, of course. Um, Mr. Seitz. Those, uh, if, if I had to name a top three, those are them. Sorry, Mika. Sorry, Sector. But... Um, 
and a lot of colleagues. I have a lot of colleagues within the company I work in. And currently, they all inspired me the last years to get the best out of myself. So, um, yeah, I, that's it. It's people who share, people who trigger me to look into certain topics I, I didn't know much about, people who trigger me to look up GitHub code and learn from that. So... I think yeah. those are heroes to me. Yeah. That's people that inspire you. Um, yeah. So I'll go in the sector. How about if you tell us yours? Um, so, um, you know, in my opinion, there's those, those high caliber people like, and like those that you've mentioned, Nico. Um, but the people that inspire me lately are the people that are sharing in their information, but are not those, you know, Justin Seitz and Michael Bazell. It's the ordinary people and, and people like that, that we've talked about before on here, whether it's Chris Kubeka or Brenna or some yeah. other people, you know, the people that have the courage to look deeply into a topic and say, you know what, I've learned this. What do you all think about it? I love that idea because those yeah. people uh, researching some obscure thing that, that they care about might spark some ideas in me. And I just love learning how they do things. So um, I'm going to say all those, those people that are just sharing their information um, to help us all learn. Those are myos and heroes. How about you sector? Uh, okay. So you're, you say your heroes are numerous. I know you're having the mic problem, so I'll just read this out. Your heroes are numerous. Everybody at quiz time. Ah, yeah, the wonderful OSINT quiz challenge thing uh, for sharing quizzes and spreading the knowledge. And uh, O. Bretix with his geolocation skills, for instance. So uh, cool. Yeah. And the thing I love about OSINT is that it's so broad. There are so many different areas, whether you're looking at social media or finding the terrorist or, or domain information, malware research. There's so many different areas of OSINT. Um, I think there's luminaries in each of them, but there's also a lot of rising stars that uh, deserve our attention as well. Yeah. Cool. Totally agree. Thank you very much for the questions. Appreciate that. Um, so, Nico, is there anything else you want to talk about or share? No, not at this moment. Just want to point out there is still a little bit room at the Sons Sec four eight seven Amsterdam. So people sign up because I will be there and Nico okay. will be also, and we're going to have a fun time. Dude, you got to wait until I say time for shameless self promotion. Now, all right? I don't care. I just do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so uh, let's go ahead. So this is a, a little bit of a quicker uh, episode and wrap up. Um, so uh, why don't we go ahead and do that shameless self-promotion. Nico, what do you want to talk about? No, my turn was already. I want to <laughs> give a shout out to Ginsberg kicking it at uh, B-Sides Casey. Yeah, uh, Ginsberg, our, our colleague is out there. He's running the Ocean Village uh, today or this weekend at uh, B-Sides Kansas City. And uh, we look forward to hearing about that next weekend um, when we do our, our regularly scheduled webcast sector. Uh, do you have anything that you want to shamelessly self-promote aside from your amazing blog post that's coming out next week? All right, watch for your new blog, of course, of course. Yeah, a uh, new blog on Ocean Curious and um, a one-off special that I prepared over a week ago for Week in Ocean. It's going to be a special with only data sets. Okay, a special on data sets on your weekend, wonderful, amazing Weekend OSINT um, website. That's on Medium, right? Yeah. 
Yep. So follow Sector035 on Twitter and watch for his Week in OSINT reviews. It, it kind of is the, what we do here, but instead of talking about it, he writes up some wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, little uh, paragraphs about a tool, a technique, a Twitter thing that's happening. So uh, thanks for that, Sector. We'll go ahead and take a look. Um, my shout out will be for the Layer 8 OSINT and Social Engineering Conference in Rhode Island, United States, uh, which is coming up in June. Uh, buy your tickets. I'll be there speaking. And I know that there's going to be some really other, uh, some really cool uh, speakers there. It's going to be a good just one day event. So uh, buy your tickets now. They go quickly. Yeah, the lineup was awesome. Yeah, the lineup does look pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited to be there. It's been my first year there. So. Cool. Well, um, that is all the time we have today. So I uh, appreciate you all for tuning in, for listening up. Uh, we are OSINT Curious, and we wanted to say stay OSINT Curious, use that hashtag, and uh, share your knowledge. Take care, everybody. Have a great week.